Okay, now go to your Bibles, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. You can tell I'm having fun. I'm glad I'm in church today. Spiritual disciplines. This has been the passage we've been reading every week. You've heard it now nine times, nine lessons plus another one because I went through one lesson twice. So you've heard this lesson how many times? Uh, this passage how many times? Ten times. Today is nine. Another one was ten because we've gone through, um, we went through discipleship. It was two parts. Ten times you guys are going to hear this. Let's listen to it. Let's let it change our lives. Let's live by it. Because remember, after I'm done preaching, the Bible still remains, doesn't it? The Bible is going to be here a lot longer than you or I. The Bible says the whole world will pass away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. This is Paul talking. He said, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. How many winners do I got here? How many people here want to win their race? Can I show you an awesome video from the Olympics? That Ezekiel. Where is Ezekiel at? And let's give it up for Ezekiel, one of our greatest evangelists in the church. Love your mama. Love you. You have much fuego in your Also, An awesome hombre de Dios. Hombre, hombre de Dios. Amen. I want to tell this man right here impresses me in so many ways. I just want to tell you I'm proud of you. But he sent me this awesome video that I think summarizes this, this verse right here. So I want to pause and show you this video. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but how many get the prize? One. But only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. I don't know if some of you all seen this, but this is a powerful video. What you are going to see right here is a man running the race, getting tripped, but yet he still runs. Look at this right here. There's no sound. I'll be the commentator. He goes down. You would think it's over for him. He just tripped up. But no, he's going to run in such a way as to what? Win the prize. How many people get the prize? Just one. This guy comes back from his fall towards the end of the race. Look at him put it in work right here. Right now he's thinking, I want to win this. I may be down, but I'm not out. People might have thought I couldn't make it, but I'm going to show them I'm going to run in such a way as to get the prize. Come on, somebody. That's what's up. You and I have to run in such a way as to get the prize. You know what? All of us fall in life sometimes. That could be you right now. That could be you here today. You may be a high school and you may feel like I'm down, man. My dad left me. I'm being raised by a single mom. I'm in a bad neighborhood. I'm down. Nobody can help me through this. But I'm going to tell you what. God's on your side today. God's going to lift you up. God's going to pick you up, amen. He's going to give you the strength to finish your race. There may be some of you here today, your business has failed. Your marriage has failed. Your bank account may have failed. Your hairdo may have failed. Hello, you may be here today discouraged and God is saying, just get back up. Though a righteous man falls seven times, they will get back up and say, I'm running this race. Y'all better look out. Tell your neighbor, say, look out. I'm running my race to win. I'm running this race to win. Come on. Come on. We got to believe for our families. We got to believe for our generation that we can defeat the devil. Even if we've been knocked down as a city, we're going to get up and run and finish our race. Amen. Come on. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. I'm ready to play that video again and preach another one. 
Friends, it just inspires me. It inspires me when I hear what Paul said. And then I look at the application of what it looks like in an Olympic race. And then I look at the application in our lives. This is real. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Now what it's talking about, the one getting the prize, we're not competing against each other. It wasn't like Peter was competing against John. So what he's talking about is you're running against yourself as your own worst enemy. You are that worst enemy. You are the only one that can cause your heart to turn away from God. The devil can tempt you. He can try to lure you. But it's your choice to whether or not you keep running with the Lord and finish your race. And so run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into what? Strict training. And that's where we get the word spiritual disciplines from. That's where we're getting the understanding, rather. The strict training of our spirits so we finish our race. A lot of people that I have seen quit on Christianity is because they didn't want to put in strict training. And some of you may say, well, that's unfair because I'm really lazy, pastor. And that's not fair. It only goes to the ones who are strong. But you don't understand the scripture then because the Bible says when you call upon him, he'll give you help. When you're weak, then he'll make you strong because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So your laziness is not even an excuse. God says, I got your back. I'll give you the strength. I'll give you the power in your hour of need. Everybody just go boom. Boom. The Bible literally says that he gives us dunamis in the Greek. Dunamis is the Greek word. Dunamis power, which means explosive power. What word do we get like an English word from? Dunamis. What do you think? Dynamite. What does that sound like? Dynamite. God gives us explosive energy to propel us like a steam engine, you know, creating combustion on the inside of us, giving us the energy to finish our race. And so whoever wants to finish can finish. Whoever wants to go into strict training can. God makes all things possible to those who believe. It says they do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. So those running in these games, in these Olympic games, their crown doesn't last forever, but ours does. The Christian's crown lasts forever. The crown that God places upon our head on Judgment Day and says, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Boom! You got that. No one can take it away. How many are looking forward to that day? Man. I know I am. Therefore, I do not run. Here it is. He makes the, uh, the application, the conclusion off of the example. You know, you're looking at these racers. You're looking at what they do. And now he goes, therefore, he says, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to where? My neighbor's body? Yep. I don't like you. I want to finish my race. You know, is that what you do? No, I strike a blow to whose body? My body. Now he makes the application about you being your worst enemy. You're competing against the sinful nature. The sin that was inherited by Adam and Eve's wrong decision. It's called federal headship. Everybody say federal headship. Thank you. The federal headship doctrine teaches by the book of Romans that in Adam all sinned. Adam was our representative. So God didn't have to go through the whole human race to give us all a tribe. He said, look, I'm going to create one perfect of you, of male, one perfect of you, of female, 
and they're going to represent all males, all females. Let's see how it goes. And when they messed up, he said, now all men are born sinners because of them. And I know I can trust that doctrine because if I was Adam in the garden, I would eventually sin too. I would make the wrong decision. And so we may say that sounds a bit unfair, but it is a true teaching of the church. But then the Bible says Jesus is the second Adam, that Jesus now comes born of a virgin, perfect. Remember first Adam, perfect. Jesus born, perfect. But now he doesn't sin, and therefore now all those who call upon his name can be born again and share in the nature of the second Adam instead of the first Adam. So you could say it like this. I was born my first time naughty by nature, but I've been born again in divine nature. I was born first in the Adamic nature of Adam in his sin and his fallenness. And I know that I've chosen my own sin, even on my own. So I can't even just blame Adam. I know I would do it too. But now I've been born again into the nature of Adam and to his federal headship. So it means two heads represent all of humanity. Two people, two sides. One is Adam and the sinfulness of mankind. And one is Jesus Christ and the saints that follow him. What side are you on? Are you still living out your Adamic nature or are you living out the nature of Christ on the inside of you? Have you been born again and transformed? Can I hear an amen? Amen. amen. So I don't fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body. Make it my what? My slave. Come on, say it. My slave. So that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. And right here, I just got to talk about making your body a slave. So I had Jerry and Tony Vivid over at our house yesterday, and it was a beautiful day. I don't know if anybody else went outside. It was very nice. Anybody yes. enjoy the weather yesterday? Yes. It was nice. Yes. Just sit on your porch. So many people on the porch yesterday. It was beautiful. So I say to Tony, let's ride our bikes 30 miles because that's what I've been doing. 15 miles one way, basically 15 miles back. And so Tony says, hey man, I'm up for it. But he brings this old kind of Schwinn bike and it doesn't really have the soft handlebars. And it has like a real hard seat and the gears are really old and everything. And I looked at his bike and I go, Bro, I don't think this bike's going to make you. I think you're going to stumble and fall at some point. We're not going to see you finish the race with this bike. So I said, I've got a new mountain bike or a new, um, um, I just, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Oh, Lord, help me. Tune-up. I just tuned up my new, my older mountain bike. I got a new tune-up, and I put a lot of just cool things on it. And so I said, why don't you take the mountain bike, and I'll take my, my new road bike. Now, that was a little bit unfair because the road bike is meant for long distance. But I said to myself, I said, I normally go about 18 miles an hour. I said, but if I go down to about 15 miles an hour, I think Tony will be able to keep up. And so I'm going riding next to him, and all of a sudden I could just, you know, I could just see him falling back. And then I would slow down a little bit, and then he would fall back. And I would say, okay, let's go from 15 miles an hour, Tony. Let's try 14 miles an hour. And then he would fall back. And, 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 and then he would fall back. And I know this sounds like torture to some of you, but I'm going to make a point here, right? So maybe go bike riding with me sometimes, and you'll enjoy this too, I guess. I don't know. And so we go like 14. And then by, by the time I figured out, it's going to be about 12 miles an hour. It's going to be about 12 miles an hour. And I go, I go, this is not fair, bro. Why don't you get on my bike? Get on my brand new bike, which I didn't want to let anybody ride, but you get on my bike, and then I'll get on the mountain bike, and then I'll pedal harder, and we'll do it. Well, still, a little bit further away, I started to notice he was falling back, and I felt a little bad for him, so I just said, you know what, I'll give him some space, I'll let him go at his own pace, and then I'll let him come up and talk to me every now and then. And so as the day, as the day went by, as the, I'm not looking good in this story, am I? But I'm making an example. He'll look great at the end, okay? And so we switched bikes around three miles, 
Around 10 miles, we had to take a break for him. We, he, I said, do you want to turn around now and make it an even 20 or go the extra five? So now when we go back, it's 30. He said, no, I just want to go back now, Pastor. I'm like, you're not a man. You're a wuss. No, I'm kidding. But I did, I did try to manipulate a little bit. I was like, you don't want to do that. Go, go the extra five and we'll go back 15 and we'll say we did 30. So I talked him into it. And then while we're riding, I said, did I tell you the last five is the hardest? And so we're going up all of these hills. And, and by the time we got to the 15 mile mark and we're coming back we ran out of water places were closed on saturday i guess for labor day week and we couldn't get off the water we start going back and then now this is where i want to tell i said all that to say this this is where i saw the man come out of tony because now it's not cute <laughs> it's not fun anymore it's like survive for him now like it's in his head right now i am 15 miles away from my house my uh, my you know my pastor's house from family i am 15 miles away from water I'm 15 miles I need to get home and I could just see him falling back and he was just making noises <laughs> and I would just kind of like come up next to him you know because like before I was slow up and he would come up next to me but this time every time I would slow up he would slow up every time I was slow up, and he would never get next to me he would never allow me to get next to him and then so at one point I basically just stopped the bike and I let him come up next to me and I'm like you don't want to talk anymore do you and he's like no I just want to make it. I just want to get to where I need to go. And I just saw this man. I just saw this man make his body his slave. His body took a whooping. And I want to ask Jerry, how was his legs? Is she even here? She's in the back. So I wanted to know how was his legs this morning? Because I bet you they're burned out. Now I said that I'm probably going to get a little payback because we got Marcel here who's a triathlete. Let's give it up for Marcel. And he says he wants to test me out. So now you got to see that on Facebook. The two thoroughbreds next to each other. <laughs> oh my gosh. But it was just fun. And I, I want to be honest with you. That's, that's what it looks like. It's like it's no longer cute to get up and read your Bible. It's like I know I need to write read my Bible. You, you're not praying to be cute. You're not saying prayers to impress your neighbor. You're disciplining your body to pray to the living God. It gets to a point in your life where you realize that there's no turning back. And if I want to stop now, I'm going to lose all that I've already did. And you just got to put your head down like Tony did and start paddling. And it may not be the way you thought it would be. Life may not turn out more than likely it's not going to turn out the way we wanted it to be. But Paul said, I will make my body my slave so that after I preach to others, I'm not disqualified for the prize. And you know the prize for him was? Was stopping at Dundee's Dogs and getting him a Maxwell Polish. He made it there. And I also said, if you do this, I'll get you a hot dog here. And then right down the road is Dairy Queen and I'll get you a Dilly Bar. But after the Maxwell Polish, he said, no, I'm good, Pastor. I don't need the Dilly Bar. I don't need Dairy Queen. But I want to tell you, he got the prize. He got to come back, look at his wife and go, I did it, honey. I made it. You know what I'm saying? And that's what we want to do. In one sense, we want to come to this church every week and say, guys, I'm making it. I'm not quitting. You know, I'm running my race. I might have got knocked down this week, but I got back up. 
I might have had to break a sweat this week. It may got a little ugly this week, but I'm still praying. I'm still seeking God. I'm still going after the Lord. I'm still reading my Bible. I'm still doing devotions with my family. How many devotions? How many know sometimes reading your Bible with your kids ain't cute? Like it's just not like little house on the prairie. Like, well, kids, let's open up our Bible to this. Like you got one kid yelling. Like I can't even tell you how many times, like most of the day they've been good. Now we get to devotions. They act bad. And now I literally have to spank them in the devotional time. Right? Come on. Let's be honest. And it's almost like a part of you. Some of you single folk laughing too much. The married folk know what I'm talking about. Wait till you single folk know what I'm talking about. You're, you're going to figure it out real quick because I was the most spiritual out of all single people. I like my kids will be angels. I will teach them the way of the Lord. And like right now, like Zoe is like trying every bit of my patience, you know. And, and so you're spanking them or just disciplining them. And then it gets, I mean, really, what, what does discipline sometimes turn into? Like a burden. And then, I, then I'll be tempted, right? Parents to go, let's just not do it tonight. I don't want to go through all that. And that's when it matters the most. You know, it's the same thing with us when it comes to reading the Bible. It's like, man, I'm so tired. been so busy today. I've worked so hard. I'll just, I'll read it tomorrow. I'll put on headphones on my commute tomorrow. And God is saying, no, make, make your body your slave. Make it your slave. And do with what your, do with your spirit, what your, do with your body what your spirit wants. And here's what Jesus said. He said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Remember when he was praying? He was praying and the disciples, what? They fell asleep. Right? They, they showed what we're all like. We're all like that falling asleep on Jesus. But he was teaching them this lesson. Your spirit is willing. On the inside, you know you want to do this. But your body is weak. But pray for the Lord to give you the strength. Amen? Okay, spiritual disciplines, just to remind everybody, is the commands and practices the disciples show in their life to grow spiritually because they know God. Here are the ones that we've already gone through. If you believe in these things, can I hear an amen? Reading your Bible. Amen. Keeping your family in order. Amen. Memorizing scripture. Amen. Soul journaling. Amen. Can you say it like you mean it? You all mean it today? Come on, praying and worshiping. Amen. 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 Discipleship Amen. in Christ's likeness. Amen. Amen. Christ, a Christian service. Amen. Public evangelism. Amen. And now what? And then next week, we'll learn about financial stewardship. I want you all to be here when we talk about money, 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 money. Okay, you all want to come. Amen? I promise you this. There will be no second offering, no third offering. Well, an offering for, you know, just to make sure you got it all out in the first three offerings. There, there will be no extra offering. I promise you. Just come and learn about God over money. That's what it's all about. God over money. Christian fellowship. Amen. Amen. And church involvement. Amen. Amen. That's what we're looking to do. This is a chart that I've been showing you guys. We look at how the knowing, showing, and growing play together. We start off knowing God through Jesus Christ as our Savior. How many believe Jesus is our God and Savior? Amen. How many know when you're born again, you shine, you share in the divine nature? Amen. And you shine in that nature, amen? And you can do all that God commanded you, right? How many believe that? Yeah. And so you start there. That's being born again. You start knowing God. We're not saved by good works. We're not saved by this category of things right here. We're not saved by the showing. We're saved by the knowing. The Bible says you are saved by grace through faith, not of works lest anyone should boast. I'm not saved because I read my Bible so well. You're not a Christian because you keep your family in order. You're not a Christian because you've memorized a bunch of scripture. As a Christian, you keep your family in order. As a Christian, you memorize scriptures. Everybody get that? I got into a debate with somebody online. You can find it online um, on our YouTube page about someone saying we're saved by faith plus works. 
This is an old heresy. Roman Catholics started believing this around the 6th century, around 500 AD. They started adding works to faith. And then a lot of cults have done this. Matter of fact, all counter-Christian religions add works to their salvation. No one else stands on faith alone. Jehovah Witnesses, works-based salvation. Mormonism, works-based salvation. Christian science and these things, work Based salvation. The idea is the more you do, the more you get. The more you do, the more you get. And you're achieving salvation. Also, all false religions are, are works-based. Hinduism and the karmic cycle is all about doing good more than bad so that when you recycle and get reincarnated, you start off in a better place, do more good than you do bad, start off in a better place, and then eventually you become one with Brahma, or depending on what Hindu belief you're listening, uh, hearing about, you then get into into that that um, that Brahmic uh, Brahmic peace. Or, uh, I don't want to say Nirvana because that's more Buddhist. But the idea is you become one with God. Energy, okay. And Islam, same thing. Islam, God is far away from you. God doesn't care about you uh, in that sense to come and visit with you, but he sends prophets. He speaks always through mediators. Think about that. Muhammad had an angel, and Muhammad was a prophet. Muhammad never spoke face-to-face -face with God. Our prophet spoke to God. Every now and then an angel will come, like Gabriel too, Mary, and so forth. But in the Bible, like Isaiah, these Old Testament prophets, with God. Are you with me? You understand the difference? One is saying, I'm always hearing a middleman. The other one's, I'm hearing directly from the Lord. But then, once again, very much a works-based religion. Do more good than you do bad. Make up for your bad through your good. And all of that teaches us that man can save himself. So whether it's offshoots of false Christianity, false religion, it doesn't matter. We stand on faith alone. And then we show our Christian faith by these things so that we can grow. And I just want to pause here because it's so important as we get ready to wrap up this series in the last few weeks here is that you understand that you cannot... Uh, skip knowing God when you go to these things. So it's not like, well, I did faith. Now I work really hard. God, I'll take the wheel from here because I, I can do it. No, by knowing God is what inspires you to read the Bible. By knowing God and knowing that He changed your life is what helps you pray and worship. So it's not like we're saved by faith, but then we do everything else by works. We're saved by faith to do good works in the faith that saves us. So how do we do good works? Still by faith. How are we saved? By faith. And then that's the result of growing. Everybody get that? Okay. And so today, let's talk about spiritual meditation. Open up your Bibles with me to John chapter 15. Some of you might see this is familiar from our uh, sermon series on Abide. We did a whole sermon series on the book of John, or chapter 15 of the book of John. And so we're going to take a little bit of that message and tweak it for today. John 15, verse 1, Jesus is talking. He says, I am the true vine. My Father is the vine dresser or gardener. Every branch in me, everybody say, in Jesus. Amen. Listen to that terminology. You're going to hear this, in me and abide, many times here. That's important to know. Every branch, what? In me. Everybody say, in me. Amen. He takes away every branch that bears fruit. He prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Everybody say abide. abide. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abide. abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide. abide in me. You notice that language right there. Are you getting it? Abide in me. Everybody say abide in me. Abide. Thank you. Thank you. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abide. abides in me and I in him. Seems like he's repeating himself, right? Bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. 
Can you do anything without God? No. No, can the atheist do anything without God? No. No, that's why the Bible calls atheists fools. The one who denies God is a fool. Not because they can't do good science. Not because some of these people are not smart. They're foolish because they don't understand where their smart came from. Where their ability to be smart came from. Where, you know, somebody goes, oh, I believe in science, I believe in science. Well, where did scientists come from? Where did the ability to understand science came from? come from? And so the idea from nothing, from nothing comes is true. You can't get something out of nothing. So if anybody says, I can do something from nothing, you are talking to a fool. That's why Jesus is teaching here that apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you have no life. Apart from me, you have no conscious mind. You could never do science. Apart from me, you would have no natural laws of gravity. Apart from me, you couldn't have babies and continue to propagate the human race. Apart from me, you can do Nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. They gather them up and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Everybody say, hell is hot. Heaven's not. Which one do you want? Heaven or hell? Amen. Look at your neighbor and tell him which one you want. Which one do you want? I think I'll take heaven. If you abide in me, everybody say, abide in me. In my words, abide in you. You ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit so you will be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you love me or if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as my Father, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and what? Abide, abide in His love. You know, there's about 10 times the word abide is there and it's directly in relationship to Jesus. Abiding in Jesus. And so I want to show you this example, this illustration of what that looks like, of what Jesus was talking about. Jesus is saying, abide in me as a branch and I am your vine. So here are these lush, branches, these green stems that come from that thicker brown branch. Jesus is the branch, or rather, Jesus is the vine, we are the branches. Let me just re-say this so I don't get into heresy here. These things right here are the branches, the green thing. What are these green things? Branches. What is the brown thing? The vine. What is Jesus? And what are we? Branches. Now watch this, man. I wish this could just be like three more hours sermon right now because I want us to get this. What does he say? Oh, like one person said, do it. Like you were even afraid to do it. Oh, it Everybody got to go to Labor Day weekend. But here's the thing. Let's put in some work for Jesus, right? We got 20 more minutes. Let's do this for the Lord. Everything he says in this illustration is abide. 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 What's another way of saying abide? Stay connected. Stay connected. Hang out. Hang out. Like if I came up to one and I was like, abide with me today, brother. You know, that would seem weird. But if I was like, hey man, you want to hang out today? We would understand that. Literally, God is saying to us, I want to hang out with you every day. I want you to hang out with me. Now this is where it gets deep, y'all. Because we're not just physical beings. We are spirits that have souls that live in a body. So this is our earth suit. When you look at yourself in the mirror, do you see really yourself? Do you see your personality? Do you see your thoughts? Isn't that something deep to think about? When you look at the mirror, you don't really see you, do you? You don't see you. When the body's in the casket, is that really your grandpa? Is that really your loved one? Is that really them? There they are. No. 
And so when you look at the movie Avatar, which is a little new agey, but there's a truth in this statement, when they would make that uh, greeting to each other, I see you, what were they meaning by that? What they were saying is, I see past your body, I see you, the, the capital Y-O-U, the you, the person. And then they went and did weird things with their ponytails and the energy. That was not right. But there's, there's something in this that the world wants, but we have. You see, they want to abide with the superpower. That's why they're meditating. They want to abide with the energy of the universe. That's why they're vegans. But they can't. Because there's only one way to the Father. That's Jesus. He said, I'm the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one gets there except through me. And so this is good news for meat eaters. You don't have to become a vegan. You can love meat and still abide in Christ. This is a good news for people who don't want to wear yoga pants and get in weird stretches. You can abide with Jesus without that. Now, can you still do yoga? Yes, as long as it's not attached to their new age or Hindu belief. As long as the man leading you or woman leading you in yoga is not your guru or your spiritual master, you can do it. As long as they're not teaching you secret mantras and calling on different powers, you can do stretches. There's nothing wrong with the downward dog. There's nothing wrong with those positions, okay? I've done them in the P90X workout. There was like a yoga part and I would do all the little things and I did not like it, okay? But the bottom line is you can do it still be a Christian. The moment it becomes spiritual, that's when you're going another way. Do you get the difference here? One is just for exercise. One is to be spiritual. Because here it is. Our spirituality doesn't come from what we eat. Doesn't come from the exercises we do. Doesn't come from uh, hanging around gurus. It comes from abiding in Jesus. Everybody get this? We're going to talk about meditation. So everybody get this in your heart. You're not just a physical body. You're a spiritual being. So where does God want to connect with you at? In your spirit. And this is what he says it's like. You're intermingled with the divine. The divine nature has come to humanity. Inseparable, the Bible says. No one can separate you from my love. No one can just come here and just pluck you off the vine. No one. Now, it says, though, clearly, if you don't want to abide anymore, you're cut off, cast out into the fire. But he'll never make that choice for you, and he'll never let anybody else do it to you. Do you understand that? God will never cut you off and just say, I don't like you. You're going to hell. Some Christians believe that. Literally, that God chooses, foreordains, who will go to heaven and who will go to hell. And he goes, that's my prerogative. Deal with it. That's not the God of the Bible. He's not a moral monster. He's not a divine kidnapper making some of us go and then not letting others come. Listen, he is a good, good father. And he's welcoming all of us to come abide in him. And he's saying, I want you to abide. He said it ten times. Abide in me. Abide in me. Abide in me. I love. Abide in my word. And then he just tells you, if you don't want to, you can go to hell if you want. And so here's the deal. Wherever you are, wherever the branch is, so is the vine. And what is spiritual meditation? Becoming aware of that. Becoming aware of God in us. God in us. The life of God flowing through us, bearing fruit on our job, Yes. With our family? Yes. In our toughest times? Yes. 
So with spiritual meditation, just something we need to do every now and then in a quiet place. No, it's something that we need to learn to do everywhere we go. Starting with our quiet place. Starting with our time alone with God. Jesus set the example of both. Jesus would get up early and stay up late and hang out with the Father by Himself. He set that example for us. But He also knew how to hang out with the Father on a boat in the middle of a storm. He also knew how to hang out with the Father at a wedding and multiply and make the wine because He knew the Father wanted that to happen. He knows how to spend time. He showed us how to spend time with the Father alone and how to spend time with the Father when everybody's around. Somebody say abide. abide. I want you to think about this as we get into spiritual meditation. Well, the first thing, let's get, a, uh, let's get a definition of what it is. The definition of spiritual meditation is the act of focusing one's thoughts, to ponder, to think on, to muse. Meditation consists of reflective thinking or contemplation, usually on a specific subject to discern its meaning or significance or a plan of action. It's basically having thought with your thought. But now your thoughts are not only on your own thoughts, it's thoughts with the thoughts of God. I'm contemplating my place in the universe as I listen to God tell me about my place in the universe. I'm contemplating how to be a better husband as I'm meditating on God's plan for me to be a better husband. I'm contemplating and reflectively thinking about my place on this job as I'm thinking about God telling me my place on this job. My thoughts and His thoughts intertwine. Paul says you have the mind of Christ. The Bible says your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. How many are getting blessed by that? Just the language of that. Listen to what Psalm 4.4 says. Be angry and do not sin. How many people can say amen to that? The Bible does give permission, permission to get angry. But don't you sin in your anger. What is sinning in your anger? Cussing somebody out. Wanting to beat them up. So be angry, don't sin. Now watch this. Real emotion. This is not this walk on rice paper, feel no emotion meditation. Be angry, sin not. It's okay to have strong emotion. Let me just back up and say this. I remember going to one New Age guru around here off of Fullerton. There's the Adi Dot uh, Sanctuary. There's a guy who believed he was Jesus. He's right there on like uh, North and somewhere around Western. Had a little place. And I just love walking in those places and preaching about Jesus. And, and then they worship a man. He's like a modern day Buddha. Just a cult in the city. Do you know what I'm talking about? You've seen it there. There you go. Thank you. I'm not making this stuff up. So I walk in and I start preaching to them kindly, politely. I don't get all crazy at the beginning, towards the end maybe, but no, I come in politely. And then this this guy, I mean, it's like, where did he come from? Like 1960s California or something? Because he's like, your energy is so intense. Calm down, man. And he put his hand on my chest as he was talking, like as if he could get my chakra to calm down or something. And I'm like, listen, I'm like, I'm like, you listen here. I got the fire of the Holy Spirit, son. And we'll cast out your chakra in just a few minutes, right? And I don't know how I was getting sassy with him, but I was. And I was like trying to explain to him, my God has emotion. My God is not some Buddha sitting under a tree going, hmm, think about nothing. We're passionate people. We get stuff done in Christianity. We're leaders. We're warriors. We're men. We're women. Amen. Come on. So we can be angry, but we don't sin in our anger. So now watch this. Real emotion. But now meditate within your heart, on your bed, and be still. How do I see this in real life? 
you got to go out in this world and you got to be a conqueror. I'm not saying people are your enemy, but you got to go and get that job done. you got to make that sale. And sometimes you're going to get motivated by things that make you angry in life. And that's okay. It's okay to get angry with AT&T if you're T-Mobile and you're going to go back and say, we better outdo these guys. We better get another sale. We better do two-for-one cell phones. You understand? It's okay to get motivated and amped in life. Just don't sin. Just don't sin. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. When the day's done, go to your bed. Calm your heart. Be still and meditate on God. Do you see how that works? And you can see this in the world. And so don't get confused, guys, just with Bruce Lee and all these guys who meditate and then who go out and kick butt. No, Christians did this long before them. The idea of David fighting in his battles, he's not a wild man. He's not like, ah! No, he is, he is controlled. He is handling his business. And then Psalms 4 says, when he was done, he would just get in his bed before he would go to sleep. Be quiet in himself and think on God in his heart. He said he would recount the laws of God. 613 laws. I don't know which one he would get to before he fell asleep, but it was better than counting sheep. Amen? Just start reflecting on the law of God. Look at this. Here's biblical examples. Can I show you some in the Bible? Come on, somebody say, show me, Pastor. It's the last 10 minutes. We might as well do something, right? Are you ready? Come on, Isaiah or Isaac. Genesis chapter 4, verse 63. You guys are excited, right? Come on, Isaiah. Isaiah. Isaac. Isaac. What is his name? Isaac. His name is Isaac. Isaac, Genesis chapter 24, verse 63. You know, we have a special privilege today. We got the Riasco brothers in the back dropping it like it's hot. Let's give it up for Hosea 1. Love you guys. Okay, just tell me where your Sunday after party is, guys. I want to be there. Those are the cool guys. <laughs> Genesis chapter 24, verse 63. When you're there, say, I'm there. Watch this. Isaac. He went out to the field one evening to what? To worry about all of his problems? To fret about the world? He went out one evening to what? Meditate. And as he looked up, he saw camels approaching. His answer to prayer is actually coming on those camels. That's his wife. But he made a habit of going out to meditate. I wonder if that's what the prodigal son's father was doing because he saw him a long way off. Maybe the prodigal son's father was on a prayer walk meditating. Hello, somebody. If you come to my house at a certain time, I'm going to meet you before you get to my house because I'm on a prayer walk. I am meditating on the things of the Lord. Isaac knew how to get out of his house, get out of the pressure of what he was in, and go out to the field, to go out to a place and to focus on God. And what do I think he was meditating on there? I'm sure something of it had to do with Abraham and the promise of his generation or his descendants being more than the stars of the sky. Because he was out there at night in the field, probably looking at those stars. And that person coming on the camel was his wife to multiply their generation. Wasn't that an awesome answer to God's promise? you got to be like Isaac. Make time to get alone with God. Because that's when God's promises will show up. God is not going to show up in the midst of your stress. It's not that he can't. It's not that he won't. It's just God's preferred way to show up when you've learned to trust Him. Look at your neighbor and say, this is a test. The testing of your faith is to produce perseverance. God wants to see, will you trust me? 
Will you trust me? And oftentimes I promise you this, God will come when you learn to trust Him. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. Turn there quickly with me in closing here. We've got to get through this. Joshua 1 8. Abide with Jesus. Look at what Joshua said. Keep this book of the law always on your what? On your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. So we see Isaac setting the example of meditation like at night. Like, oh, this is so beautiful. God, you promised my father Abraham that we would have as many descendants as the stars in the sky. I totally believe this. Help me when I disbelieve it, Lord. I love you. Oh, here's a camel coming with my hot wife. Now let's get it on, you know. But that's not only when you do it. What else do you do it? Day and night. Day and night. Not just night. Day and night. So that means you're sitting at your, your company uh, Tuesday at, at the company meeting, and they're saying, okay, here's where we're at, guys. Let's say they're making sheet metal. And they go, guys, we're down 3% this quarter from last quarter. We need to get it up. Otherwise, we're going to cut jobs. What are you going to do? Meditate on the word of the Lord. Okay, God, you said that you're with me. You said that you will prosper me. God, you said that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. God, you said that you would uh, give me inventive ideas. So, Lord, give me some ideas, God. Help me. Help my company. You're saying that all to yourself meditatively while you're sitting there, while your friend is meditatively thinking about the next trip to Starbucks. While they're thinking about how they can get out of that room and go to the bathroom, you're thinking to God, God, okay, what's the plan here? Where, where's, where's the life? Where's the thought here? Because I'm connected to you. I didn't get disconnected, God, when I came to this job this morning. I didn't get ripped out of your vine. I'm still in your vine today, God. Flow that life through me and make me fruitful. Isn't that what Joshua said? Amen. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful in everything that it's written there to do. And you will be what? Prosperous and? About four people believe that? What do the rest of you guys think? I'm just insecure about this. If you don't believe it, I don't know. I believe it. Is that how some of you are right now? I just feel like you're so insecure about this. You're tired. You want to go home. I'm done with this, Pastor. Labor Day weekend. I don't have to work. Stop asking me to say stuff. Stop. Do you guys want to work the word with me today? I believe that for your job. I believe that for your family. When we put God's word on our lips and in our meditation day and night, we will be prosperous and successful. That's what he said. Everybody say that's what he said. Look at Psalm chapter 48 verse 9. David, Psalm chapter 48 verse 9. And then I'm going to give you the practicals in the last few minutes today. Look at this. Within your temple, O God, we meditate on your unfailing love. Point to where the temple of God is today. It's right here. The Bible says we are the temple of what? 
the Holy Spirit. He no longer dwells in brick uh, rooms with brick and, and mortar. He dwells in the hearts of people. We used to have to, in the Old Testament, come to a place like this to just sense that presence because God was so far from us because of our sin. But Jesus died on the cross so we could abide. That language of abiding is not found in the Old Testament. This is new covenant language. Jesus changes everything. Jesus changes our relationship to the Father. Jesus brings the Father not just to a building. Jesus brings the Father to our heart, to our very thoughts, to our very soul. And so within your temple or within your heart, God, we meditate on your unfailing love. Because this heart is yours, God. Or in my heart, God, I meditate on your unfailing love. And then just one more time, Psalm 119, 15. Psalm 119, 15. Look at what it says. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. See, this is what God wants to see from us. God wants to see that it's important to us to think about Him throughout the day. You have about 30,000 to 50,000 thoughts a day. You can run about two to three thoughts a second. You know, and with all these tri trillions of things going on in your brain, you can handle about two to three thoughts a second, 30 to 50,000 thoughts a day. And sadly, you know what most of them are? Negative. I don't like the way I look. Oh, look at my hair. Oh, my gosh. Did I have to wear this today? I wish I would have washed clothes last night. Oh, I hate this person sitting next to me right now. What's wrong with them? I'm talking about a job, your job, right? Anyways, I hate this person sitting next to me right now. I don't get along with them. And then, oh, traffic. I just don't like I'm so hungry. Oh, I need my coffee. I need more coffee. Oh, what's that person looking at me like that for? Oh, why is this customer saying that? 80% of our thoughts is just negative, 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 negative. I believe God is teaching us here. Abide in me. Abide in my thoughts. Abide in my word. How many know stress is a cause of a lot of sickness today? How many know they tell cancer patients, don't stress out so much? How many know they tell uh, people right now going through divorce problems, don't let stress interfere with your marriage, the stress of your job. Stress can create emotional problems, physical problems. It hurts your life. Let's get rid of the stress and let's focus on Jesus. If you're ready to learn, can you say amen? amen. Here it is, so simple. In closing, Vinny, would you come please? You learn to do this privately, then you can do it publicly. Here's how you start by yourself to learn to hear from God and share your thoughts with Him. Unloading to the Lord. You're giving Him your burden. I mean, come on, guys. Think about this scripture. Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For my yoke is easy, my load is light, and you shall find rest for your soul. There's an exchange that happens. Where are the burdens? Is somebody carrying a thousand pound burden today? Like, oh, I'm dragging this car, you know? No, where are the burdens? Where's the weariness? It's in the mind. It's in those thoughts. And so what we need to do is learn to do this by ourselves privately so then we can do it publicly. Like Jesus, getting up early or staying up late. Some of you say, I'm too busy to do this. John Wesley said, you're too busy not to do this. You're too busy not to do this because you're going to burn yourself out. You find a quiet place or a public place that's conducive to think deeply and peacefully. Susanna Wesley, the mother of John Wesley, had about a dozen kids and could never find quiet time. And the Lord gave her an idea that she'll put up her apron over her head and then meditate and pray to the Lord. 
That's what she did. So she said, whenever you see mama put up the apron over her head, you leave her alone and you let her pray. How many would leave mama alone if you saw an apron go over her head? You don't know what's coming, but she would pray. One of my young men in the, uh, the Kalio projects where I used to minister where Master P was from had to go to the bathroom and do his meditation there. Prayer and meditation work hand in hand. Bible says pray at all times, meditate all, at all times. Is there a contradiction? No, they're just two expressions. Prayer is a lot of what you're saying. Meditation is a lot of what you're thinking. Now you can think to yourself and it still be prayer when it's requesting, but when you're thinking just to God without requesting or an active uh, like spiritual warfare or something, that's now moving into meditation. So they blend together. So you find that quiet place or a place conducive to, to do it. Where did Jesus do it? Jesus did it in the Garden of Gethsemane. Where do I do it? On my prayer walks. Where will you do it? Maybe in this church, coming early, staying late. Start here. You're here today. Meditate today. You start to learn to do it by yourself. Then you just sit comfortably, stand comfortably, settle your mind and body. Control breathing and stretching is helpful because we do know medically that when our body is tense, it makes us feel emotionally tense. So there is a truth, all truth comes from God. There is a truth to, you know, controlled stretching your arms, stretching your legs. You know, a little bit of a nice walk for me just gets my body moving. I'll start breathing through my nose. Or you can just sit down, breathe through your nose, exhale through your, your mouth. And then you begin with that thankfulness. The Bible talks about in Philippians chapter 4. Just listen to me as I read it. Philippians chapter 4 is one of my favorite passages to meditate on. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So I say oftentimes start your meditation with, with just like a, a true sense of thankfulness. So when I'll start my prayer walk, just hold off on this because it won't be in any key, I, I promise you. When I start my prayer walk, it is funny if you were in my neighborhood. I just start my prayer walk and I'm like, Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I will literally start my prayer time off. The high fives are just because I love you guys. No connection. I just love you guys. Okay? I just can't be close to without doing something out of love. But no, like, I, I literally do that. Why? Because it tells me, wake up. Meditation is not going to bed all the time, though you can meditate before you go to bed. But, but it's like, wake up. You're going to start thinking about Jesus now. Come on, soul. Wake up. And so you start with that thankfulness. Praise God. Even if everything in your life's going wrong, you just praise God. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. This has helped me so much in preparing that time. Because when I come into God's presence, if I've been sinning, I need to repent and get out of that mindset because I've probably been sinning in my anger. Most of our sins come out of a lack of faith based in fear and human emotion. And many of that times that human emotion is anger. I'm not saying all sin comes from anger, but fear is a lack of faith. All sin comes from there. But the emotion of fear for most of us is an anger. I'm angry at you. I'm angry at my life. I'm angry at how things are going. And so gentleness is the opposite of acting out in your anger. Anger. It's just trusting God. It's, it's being gentle with your kids instead of whooping them, you know, and just beating the, the, the life out of them. But it's like, no, it's like, no, I better stop. I'm going to be gentle. So yelling at my boss, I'm going to be gentle. That's why it puts it. It's a sandwich right in there. Look at that. Rejoice. Be gentle. Don't be anxious. Do you get it? Yes. 
Rejoice. Be joyful. Don't let anger take control of you. Don't be anxious about anything. But now watch. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So we're going to start off with a little bit of prayer. And now this is where I believe the meditation comes in right here. And then now, after we've prayed and we've given everything to God, we said, okay, God, I'm praising you and I'm giving you these situations. Now I'm done. I'm done talking about my problems. I'm done talking about I need the bills to be paid. Now I'm going to let the peace of God, which transcends all this understanding of my cantaloupe-sized brain, I'm going to let it now guard my heart and mind, and I'm going to start thinking on whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, uh, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy. I'm going to start thinking on those things. Y'all get it? Here's that passage of how you meditate. I'm going to go through it one more time. It's a passage of how we meditate. Start off with rejoicing. Check your heart. Repent of anything you've done out of anger that hasn't been gentle. Know the Lord is near. And now, reject those anxious thoughts. And in prayer and petition, give all those things to the Lord with thanksgiving again. And then right here, enter meditation. Enter it. Enter into that secret place with the Lord. Focus your thoughts on a verse or passage and start our concept and start letting it wash over you. So for me, abiding in Jesus is an awesome concept. How many think if right now you were on a prayer walk or alone in your room before you went to bed like tonight or something, how many think you could meditate on abiding in Jesus for a while? Just what would come to your mind as you started to do that? Like I'm doing it right now as I'm talking to you. Right, so what comes to my mind? I'm thinking... I'm in Jesus, so all of my emotions need to be filtered through Him. And I'm bearing fruit, and what do I see on that fruit? That I'm seeing my children in my thoughts and imaginations. Isn't that what Jesus wanted us to do? He gave us the, the word picture of a vine. Release all those worries and doubts and fears. And so what we do uh, in that time, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, what we do is we bounce our thoughts right to the Lord. We just keep bouncing them. It's not that we don't care about them, but we just give them to Jesus. So while I'm meditating on, on this beautiful vineyard, and all of a sudden I think, what if my daughter catches one of those sicknesses that children always get? And I just heard about this young lady in our church, her, her baby died at six months. What if my baby dies at six months? God, what am I going to do if my baby dies at six months? It's real stuff. What am I going to do? I'm going to bounce that thought. I'm going to approach the throne of grace. I'm going to go, God, you know. I don't know. I trust you. And I want to go back to thinking about the vine. God, you'll be with the woman who lost your child. God, let her abide in you today. Let her not worry today. Do you get it? Amen. Come on, somebody say amen. If you amen. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We keep, we keep, we stay at the throne of grace and we keep bouncing those fearful thoughts, fearful thoughts to the throne of grace. And so my wife learns to do this in her private prayer time. Now she does it publicly while we're driving in the car. Because remember, we were in an accident. Somebody ran a red light and broke her ankle and had to do all these surgeries. And now when she sees somebody come from the, the corner of her eye and they're not stopping and they're not stopping and ah, she has to do something like that. So what she has to teach yourself now through the cognitive therapy of what they teach in counseling, but the Bible said a long time ago, she needs to renew her mind, stay meditating on God, that God has her in her hand, His hands, and that she's at the throne of grace. Whenever she has needs, she can give it to Him. And take a breath and ride through that red light, or ride through the green light, right? Because a guy ran a red light. That's what I meant. She can ride through that. Think about it. We're driving green. They don't stop. They don't stop. Joe, they're not stopping. Crash. Broken ankle. Screaming. Hospital visits. She's driving through a, a green light intersection. Car's not stopping, Joe. Car's not stopping, Joe! 
Oh, they stopped. So what we told her was, start putting your life in the arms of God. Hey, honey, learn by yourself at home to pray and put yourself in that situation. Surrender it to God and say, I'm okay. I'm with Him. And now when we're in the car, you do it again and again. And if you have to grip a little harder, you do to the to the, my hand or what's next to you because you're going to be confident God is with you. Amen? Amen. We fight through it. It's a spiritual discipline. Your thoughts will run wild if you don't discipline them. Relax and rest in the presence of God by visualizing and thinking on the things of God. And then open your heart to hear from God and experience His love. So what do we do? We just... Come before God and relax. Make sure we're in a place that we can learn to do this privately before we do it. Thankfully, we, we thank Him. We worship Him. We pray. We let go of those thoughts. We meditate on the Word of God. We relax and we start enjoying His presence. And so what's going to be the benefit? Well, physically, we know all the benefits of low stress and uh, having a healthy mind is that's going to lower our blood pressure, stress, decrease the pain, reduce anxiety, depression. It will build up our immune system. You can read The Relax Revolution from the Christian Herbert Bond. Benson. Mentally, what's going to happen is we're going to go through problems easier because as we're handling these problems better, we'll be better prepared for the problems ahead of us. And then spiritually, what's going to happen? All these notes are found online on our Facebook page and our website. Your faith is going to increase. Nancy's faith is increasing through the trial that she's going through. My faith is increasing. You're going to discover freedom from sin. You're going to find out that the freedom from sin doesn't start when the temptation starts. It starts before the temptation, preparing yourself for the battle. You're going to find that you have a sound mind and that the sound mind is easier to accomplish your goals. Dr. Carolyn Leaf has a great video on this and a great book that you guys can get and check out. This is the book, Switching Your Brain. Switch on your brain. A great Christian neuroscience here talking about that. And then what we're going to do is we're going to start seeing answers to prayer. Remember when Isaac was out there meditating, he saw an answer to prayer. God's going to start meeting your needs. You're going to get power to preach. How many want to have power to preach? You're going to have boldness because you know why? I've met with God and I know He's with me. You're going to have prosperity. God will give you wisdom and inventive ideas. And lastly, you'll be a greater leader. you got to talk to your boss every day. Jesus, amen? Can I just say this? I know I went longer. But partly of that was your fault. You guys weren't helping me. I thought I got to repeat myself. I'm just kidding. Half kid. Do you guys still love me? Can I still come to your after party? Mama's home today. I just want to go out and party. My mom and dad are going out for lunch. They're not waiting for us. Somebody bring me over to your house. I'm just kidding. Okay. If you abide in me, band, would you come please? And my words abide in you. Then you will ask what you desire.